Welcome back to the What You Want More podcast. Today, I'm joined with an amazing guest. I'm super stoked about it. Uh, lead singer of Saliva, Bobby Amaru. Thanks for joining us on the show today. You know what? And, and the thing about this uh, that, that I love the most is that, you know, people go, man, you're, you're getting ready to meet with a rock star. I'm like, I am. But to, to me, man, you're, you're a friend, you're a father, you're a husband, um, and you just happen to be a rock star, which is pretty damn cool too. So welcome to the show, my friend. Man, I'm glad to be here. And uh, yes, we're friends, we're neighbors. Um, and uh, I'd like to think of myself more of a musician <laughs> than a rock star, yeah. you know, because I've had my fair share of, of fun rock star. I've got rock star stories for sure. Well, I'm excited to get into some of those yeah, for sure. But I uh, know definitely a musician. And, you know, I, I lead with that uh, with, with all sincerity on the rock star side of things. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I know that uh, you, you had your moments there and uh, you're still doing some great things, which we're going to get into here. So, you know, you're, you're, you're getting ready to go back on tour. You were telling me pre-show here, you're getting ready to go for another two, two months or so. So glad to have you on the show. Thanks yeah. for making some time to be with us here today. So as we get into this, you've been with Saliva since 2011. You had a career prior to that. And as we kind of get into this, you know, we were talking pre-show, you know, of that music career that you've had thus far, you know, I always like to find out like, what got you to this level? Like what, how did you get here to from the very start? You know, did you wake up one day and you're like, man, this is what I'm going to do and put all my heart, my soul into it. Or was there a defining moment that kind of led to this where you are today? Uh, being a kid is, you know, when I got into music, um, early on, my dad was in bands. My grandfather was a, a singer too, like in new mm-hmm. Orleans area. Um, and I just grew up in a music family where there was constantly, you know, records on the, on the player and, um, a house full of music. So I would say that I got into it at an early age and drums was the first thing that I, I picked up. Uh, drums was, I guess, like making noise, mm-hmm. banging on shit, yeah. you know, was, um, what most kids, you know, end up doing at a young age, uh, banging on shit. (laughs) So, um, it started there. And then, you know, as I got like older, I I just, I wanted to be drummer, man. I wanted to play drums and I just listen, you know, as, um, music would come in different waves, you know, different music, like the 80s stuff. I was in a lot of that like the Guns N' Roses and, you know, some of the hair, the hair band shit as well. Molly Crew. Yeah, all that stuff. Loved all that stuff growing up. And then uh, the 90s rolled in and it was like Alice in Chains, Nirvana, a lot of that movement. And so I just remember MTV. I watch MTV all the time. And <laughs> That's back when they served videos. Man. Right. That's yeah. when they played music. Yeah. And I wanted to be a, a musician. I mean, that was it. I, there was nothing else I wanted to do, uh, you know, and I I would daydream about it. I'd be in school and... You know, I needed to be studying for a fucking test or something, but I was, <laughs> I was thinking about music. So, man, I tell you what. So, you know, it's interesting because I, I think of like every kid I know growing up, everyone wanted to play the drums to start. It's yeah. so funny you say like, dude, I even did it. I mean, yeah. I wasn't good at it, but I dad banged yeah. the hell out of those things around the house, and it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. And then I think that I think I don't know. The cool thing I felt like people always did was they just carry two drumsticks around, yeah. and they just would always like you know either hit their feet or do something there and act like they're playing a drum. Probably were never really good at it, but yeah. the twirling of the drumsticks. That seemed to be a thing. You see people do it with pins all the time after yeah. Top Gun, but yeah. we used to watch people do that all the time in class there. So um, what? But when did you find your voice though? You know, obviously you're being a drummer, when did you find your voice? When did you become more of a vocalist versus a drummer? So drums was my first thing and then I moved on to guitar. Okay. And then started learning guitar and playing guitar. And I would say vocals, like 
came later. Like, okay. you know, I didn't know that I could sing. Um, maybe I still don't know if I can, <laughs> but you know, I, um, I would say uh, for me, just playing at people's houses on an acoustic guitar and, you know, just playing like covers and shit and singing is, is, you know, people started to take notice of that. Like, man, you should like have your own band or whatever. I was already in a band playing drums, but um, maybe I should try something different. And I, I like to write songs. Mm -hmm. So I was writing songs, getting more into that. And uh, yeah, it just, it kind of turned out that way. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it turns out you're in a band and then, you know, uh, the story goes, I've heard you say it numerous times here, you get a text Right. Yeah, yeah. And fast forward to 2011, you get a text and, yeah. you know, the lead singer at that time is departing right. the band and the band's looking for a new lead singer. Text comes through and then, you know, you're not really auditioning, but you're, you're, you're showing what you can do with the band. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, hey, you're in and 2011 moving forward, you guys are, you know, doing your thing, releasing albums. And, you know, in that time, what, what would you say as you were doing that was, was there any challenge you had to overcome, um, yeah, and not necessarily from the department of a band member, but any challenge you had to come be a new band made of a, of, of, of a band that maybe had been coexistence for a while. When you, anytime you replace a singer, that's mm -hmm. difficult. Sure. It's very, very tough, especially when the band has sold a few million records and they've kind of established, been around a decade. Um, you never really know what's going to happen. I, I didn't know. I, I had had tons of experience with, um, being in music and being signed and mm -hmm. making records and, and things like that. But I hadn't really extensive, done a whole ton of extensive touring. Like, so, and I knew that this was a band that was going to tour a lot. New singer, you're going to have to go tour a lot and kind of start, start over. Right. Uh, is essentially what we, we did. Now, I didn't know that when I got in this band, I was going to inherit <laughs> all of the problems from the other guy. A lot of the, um, a lot of issues with, with like a lot of turmoil and, mm -hmm. you know, upside down, a lot of radio stations blackballing the band Damn. over things and, um, you know, just stuff that had happened in the previous decade. But I was up for the uh, challenge to go and, and try to salvage a lot of that and, uh, turn the band around and, uh, you know, I've been here 12 years and, I feel like from then till now, I've learned a lot yeah. and, and continue to, to, to grow and try to grow the brand and, and, and even more broad, um, more broad audience as well, you know, yeah. like with uh, young, trying to get some of the younger um, kids on board, uh, you know, not just fans from day one, you know, you, you want to try to turn you want to get the kids, man. The kids are the ones that are really, really going to stick with you too, you know? Yeah. So. Building that fan base of longevity, you know, right. kind of bringing in new, new, uh, new ears to the, to the, uh, to the band, you know, as you think about it, like for me personally, you know, I look at anytime you have to step in to someone else's, you know, whether it's job position, whatever you want to call it, you're always, you're always falling into the previous baggage that was there or decisions that were made that, you know, you have no idea you're unbeknownst to, but you're walking into it, which kind of describes the radio situation there. And, you know, it sounds like you guys handled it like pros, man. And, you know, kind of navigated those choppy waters there and made it through on the other side. Well, you know, it was challenging, but you also don't really have a choice. You have to like, <laughs> you have to grind. I always wanted to be the, um, I didn't come in wanting 
to to be like him or filled mm. any shoes. I never thought of any of it that way. Right. I looked at it as an opportunity to um you know, be in a band that that had a legacy and and had um you know, some success and and I was I liked the idea of adding my flavor and and my um you know, my vibes to it. And I wanted to tour and I wanted to go out and I wanted to prove myself every night. Like, and I still am like that. Yeah. I'm, that hasn't changed when I go on stage. I'm, I'm definitely like, you know, it's a whole nother ball game and, and you have to tap into that. And I think that if it hadn't worked, I wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. with, with them. Um, but I feel like it, you know, it definitely clicked and, and worked for yeah, I can, all. I can attest to when you get on stage, how you bring it, you know, we went down to, uh, as a group, we accumulated, went down to Daytona to watch you perform, man. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, we, we rode with you guys down there. Yeah, it, was awesome. it, it was always a great time riding with, we had all the fans on there. We're, we're having a good time going down there. You guys take the stage, you know, the lights, yeah. the lights go down, the lights come on and boom. This, this group of individuals I rode with are not the same people on stage at that point. Yeah. Y'all brought your A game on that right, point. I right. look at my wife, I'm like, did we ride with these guys down here? Yeah. I mean, it was awesome. But, yeah. you know, talk a little bit about that. You know, you, you have that, you know, that, I don't want to say alter ego, but that's almost what it appears yeah. to be when you step on stage, man. All of you guys are different in a good way, man. You bring that energy, man, and you bring it. It's like, there's no, there's no like, oh my gosh, they're, they're off tonight. Like, friggin' bring it. You know, if I go see a band, I expect the same thing. Yeah. I want them to bring it, you know, and, and I feel like you're shorting the fans paying money to see you if you're not giving it your all. You shouldn't be on the stage if you're not going to give it your all. I mean, I get people get sick and things like that or whatever, because you have to take the road. You got to take care of your body. You got to right. take care of yourself. But if you're up there just half-assing it just for the paycheck, it's... it's so let's talk about that a little bit. Right yeah. now, we got to... We gotta, we got a, a kind of a tendency that's going on in the world right now. Mm. Fans are coming. They're throwing shit at artists on stage. I mean, you've seen it from, you know, Bebe Rex got hit in the head with a phone, had to go off stage, got stitches. You've had Pink had some ashes of a family member delivered to her. Not her, but the fans' family. I think Harry Styles just got something thrown at his eye. Yeah. You know, it, it, I think there's even more. I've seen more going on. There's more. Brian Adams just got rushed off stage. I mean, this is be a trend of what's going on. And you've got a lot of artists that are, you know, I just saw Miranda Lambert lash out at a fan for taking a selfie while she was trying to sing. And then you know, Adele's done her thing. Like, what are you, what, what's your thoughts on this? You know, we got fans that are paying money to come see a ticket, or excuse me, paying tickets to come see a show. But, you know, you're, you're, your rights have to stop somewhere. You shouldn't have the ability. I mean, what do you think? Like throwing shit at people on stage while they're trying to perform? I'll never understand why people do that. Yeah. Um, maybe they're, you know, intoxicated and just looking for a laugh or, but it's, it's, ne- it's never been cool. I've had things thrown at me. Um, I'm usually, I used to play baseball, luckily. <laughs> so I had someone throw a bottle at me one time and my, I saw it in my peripheral vision and caught, that. caught it with my left hand. Hell yeah. Like, and it's just a video of it. It's pretty hilarious. That's awesome. But um, yeah, things like that. But it's very, you know, I don't know. I don't know why people do it. I mean, do you think it's a respect thing or do you think people just have gone, they just lost their sense of like, I think I, they just yeah. lost their sense because it's just like, what can I make a TikTok? What can I make a reel yeah. on? Like, is, is that, this the world we live in right that, now? Yeah, just, yeah. This shit's been- I would like, say more like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's been happening- Forever. Really? Yeah, people have been getting shit thrown at them on stage for... I mean, who pays... I you put that like, many people in, yeah. in one space, in one area. You yeah. Know, it's somewhat... There's 
But do you think it's done? They're not all of, winners. Do you think it's do you, <laughs> you know? do you think it's done out of like emotional dislike, or do you think it's just done out of emotion of like I'm just I'm just raging because of this concert. Like I'm pumped. I'm just doing this. So I feel I need to throw something. I I don't know in what world uh, getting pumped up making you want to throw something at the artist on stage <laughs> yeah. makes sense. But I mean, there's I been agree. tons of things. I mean, people people take it too far. Yeah. You know, Dimebag Daryl from Pantera was shot on stage. One of my favorite bands. I mean, the guy literally was just a lunatic and decided he was going to plot to go and, and kill him on stage uh, in 2004. Jesus. Yeah. And that was the nicest dude on the planet. Yeah. Like, nicest guy in the world. Good Lord. And, yeah. It, it's but just, but why, what possesses someone to do something like that? Yeah. No, I don't understand why it. Why did the guy kill John Lennon? I mean, yeah. why do people do what they do? Why do people go in, in, into schools and do shit? Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean- it's a fucked up world. Yeah, it is definitely that. And I feel like it's completely desensitized by social media. Mm -hmm. Like the, the the stupid shit that people encourage other people to do, yeah. which is just, you know, human decency. Like, just be yeah. nice, man. There's I no saw a video. Anytime I see something negative, I always like, like delete it or I don't want to see this or hide mm -hmm. it or whatever. Yeah, unfollow or yeah, not follow. I just, just don't want to. Yeah, because what it does is they are, when you watch stuff like that, they... That's how it works. They, they it, feed you more of it. They feed you more of it. Yeah, it's yeah. like an echo chamber. They know exactly what you're looking for. So right. here's more crap like this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I don't know about your kids. I mean, that's one of the hardest things I'm trying to like work with with my kids right now is like, hey, just because you saw it online doesn't A, make it okay. It's definitely not the real world. Like what you don't know is how fake that scene could be that they created just to get a laugh or, you know, make you feel some kind of way about something. But in the real world, that shit doesn't fly. It used like, to be- It's not cool. It used to be, you know- what they, what happened in school, mm -hmm. you know, now it's school movies, you know, internet and social media and all this other stuff now that, um, it's poison, you know, just it's poison. poison. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, but, where you were going with that is but exactly you, right. You know, it's also, up. there's nothing that we can do, but try to just be positive and great parents because they're ultimately going to do whatever they're going to do. Yeah. When they're, when they grow up, they're going to make their own decisions and they have to, um, you know, I, I don't want to be one that's like, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do this, can't do that. You know? Because what typically happens when you do that? They they're going to do, do it. They're yeah. going to do it when you're not looking, when right, you're not around. Right. You know, you're constantly modeling for your yeah. kids. You know, yeah. a lot of people, you know, whether you know it or not, you're the model, you're modeling behavior yeah. for your children right in front of you. And I'm more of like, Taking, I watch a scenario, you know, when I just saw a video of Fourth of July, they threw a fire, like a mortar inside a guy's truck. Did you see that? No. They literally, the guy's truck. Not the bed open. of the truck, but the actual truck. So. He's in the truck. Ugh. They throw a mortar lit and it lands on him and the door shuts. Oh, geez. And it blows up inside the truck and they're all laughing. They think it's like the funniest thing on the planet. And That's see if, if my kids were watching that, I would, I would literally try and talk about that situation of mm -hmm. that's just really sad. It's really sad that they would do something like that to him because that person's definitely going to the hospital. Oh yeah. You know, that's they, a long road to recovery right there. Yeah. They just got Oof. their dick blown off. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's crazy Oof. to think about it like that, but you know, and I, I want my kids to know right from wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I agree with you a hundred percent there. And it's a, uh, it's tough when, 
It's tough when you're parenting against other parents' skill set. That's one of the, that, that's one of the t- biggest challenges as a parent is you're parenting against other parents' leniencies and tendencies. And mm-hmm. that's tough. And I mean, that's a whole nother conversation in itself, yeah. but very tough. So, you know, um, speaking of like modeling, you know, and the modeling behavior, is there anything you would have done differently in your career from where you are now to where you started? No, man, just because I, I feel like the universe, you know, puts us on these paths and um, any, any negativity and negative things that happen in your life, I believe are like, they're just like stepping stones to something better. Mm-hmm. Every re- bad relationship is just, you're, you know, in your next one, not to, you're not going to look for the same thing, you know, already been there, done that. I'm going to try to, you know, um, y- you know, swimming against the tide, Yeah, and, you know, and, and I feel like that's what life is. Um, so I think like everything that I have done has led me to where I am and I wouldn't change it. You know, I met my wife in 2016 on Twitter and, you know, being in that, in that place and in that moment, uh, in time, I feel like was something, had I not been there, I would have never met her and wouldn't have had, you know, all this more, you know, she's had such a positive reinforcement on my life. Um, and I, I just, yeah. Yeah. Amber's good people, man. Right. So right on with that, you know, yeah. personal relationships, relationships, decision relationships aside, is there anything in the music record industry in particular, maybe, maybe signing, maybe the deals that were struck, anything you would have done differently? Oh, there? no, that shit. Yeah, okay. of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so what's an example of something you, or what's a lesson learned there? I mean, you know, what, what's something you How learned? many? I well, mean, I've signed several deals <laughs> And I always feel like anytime you sign a deal, no matter what it is, mm-hmm. you're getting fucked some way. Yeah. It might be on a lighter, on a lighter note. It might be on a, you know, you're getting totally thrown, you know, in, in the wolves den. Um, the first deal that I signed was right out of high school, um, 2001 with Electra. We had a bunch of different labels that were interested in us. So when you have that happen, almost a bidding war kind of okay. thing, they, your, your deal, your lawyer negotiates higher, higher deal for you, which essentially just means more committed money. Okay. Like a, a okay. Like a, we're going to give this band, um, each guy a hundred grand or whatever. And then the record budget's going to be, not 300, we'll make it 400. Okay. We'll throw an equipment budget in there. We'll do all this stuff. They sweeten the deal for you. But what you don't realize <laughs> is they're taking essentially everything. You'd have to sell a million records just to pay all of that back. So you're in debt to the record label the minute you sign that deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. So you're in debt to them. It's a one-sided transaction. They lure you in with this, let's say, signing bonus is what you get up front. And they put you on tour, but they finance everything. They finance oh, the yeah. tour, they it, finance the venues, yeah. everything. And used to, you know, back in the in those days, um, it's changed so much. Mm-hmm. But back then, labels want the artist at the mercy of them. Like they want 
you like you need them okay because they have mtv on lock they've got radio on lock they've got all that stuff and they've got to go pay those people to play your shit and to make you famous and get you popular so you have to you have to you know you basically sell your soul to to the devil to to do it and and i mean what are you going to do when you're a band you're you know a kid from jacksonville florida just sure. out of high school and yeah, you can't you finance all that usually. It. No, yeah, no one's got that kind of money. Just no, man, around. I'm gonna go be a big rock star, man. Yeah. I'm gonna fucking be famous. I'm gonna be huge, and there's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's, but you learn, you learn the hard way. It's a lot. Uh, it's not as easy. Yeah, it really isn't. It's and, a lot. and then you're committed to X amount of records with them, right? Usually. Oh, it's options. So they'll just they'll say, we're gonna guarantee you one record with like 87 options or some yeah. bullshit like yeah. that. You know, which means that they have the right to, yeah, we'll do another one or we're going to drop you because yeah. you suck. And so they get the first right of refusal and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then in the meantime, they're financing all this stuff. And and what, is there interest accumulating on the, you have to pay interest on that stuff they finance for you? Like, are you paying interest on the stuff they're fronting, like the money you owe them? Well, so you're only recouping, whatever percentage that you are left with yeah. is the percentage that goes back to recouping oh, the money that you took. So it ain't like, oh, okay, so you sell this amount of records, it's going to pay back that $250,000 video that we financed for you. No, it's your very little percentage out of the Damn. sales that's going to go back and recoup. Yeah. Like Saliva, you know, the first record with like Click, Click, Boom and all mm -hmm. that shit, there's still a million in, in the hole on that record. That's unbelievable. Still a, you know, still a million in the hole. Jeez. So lessons. Later. They'll never, they'll never, they'll never recoup that record. Yeah. So what's your lessons? What's your takeaway from something like that? You know, you, you signed that deal. You signed multiple deals. You said you signed seven of them. Like what's your, what's your take now as you move forward? Try to own as much as your stuff. And, and if you've got something great going for you online, just be your own business, be your own label. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of things labels have done and and you know we know all of these bands that are and all these artists that we love because the labels you know they did the thing you know but there's also a lot of artists that you know just didn't quite make it yeah i guess it'd be like sports too sure you know you look at it that way like you know only so many are gonna go through and you know, a lot of these others are not. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and, and there's a lot it's to be crushing said, like, dreams, man. Yeah. And how much of like your, like you were, you were saying pre-show, like of your masters, like you're trying to keep 85% of. Well, so what we started doing was distribution deal, mm -hmm. which, um, not everybody can do that though. Like yeah. if you have a brand and you have like a name, I feel like all, any band with a brand should, should do that and just have their own, own their own masters and own their own shit. And, but um, you know, you, it's, it's changed. Yeah. The game's changed. I mean, yeah. everything's gone from, well, I mean, still touring is still a thing. I mean, COVID kind of put a pause on that. We'll, we'll talk, talk about that in just a minute, but you know, there's the, the digital game has changed. Like you're not selling records. You're not selling physical CDs. I mean, some people do, but for the most part, it's all about streaming and downloading at this point. Right. Yeah. And how has that changed? Like, how has that changed from the form of like royalties and how's that changed in the form of, um, you know, basically streaming versus, because I've heard from a couple of different songwriters, you know, 
I was, uh, I was at the Bluebird in Nashville and I was listening to a couple of songwriters and they were telling the stories and we had rented it out. And, you know, one of them had written quite a few songs early in the nineties and she said her mailbox money paid for her house. Yeah. But she wrote some songs here and, you know, in the last five years and that money doesn't even come close. Songs are bigger hits. They've definitely had more downloads and she sold records, but doesn't even rival what was being made in the 90s during that time. Um, what, what's the difference between then and now as far as that's concerned? Um, back then, you know, a physical CD was like, what? 10 bucks, 11 yeah, 10, bucks. 11 bucks. You know, and it all gets split up in several different ways. And, you know, your your publishing company is is, she probably had a publishing deal who would go out and they would basically collect your money on your behalf for writing the song. Okay. So every time a song was on the radio or or if that artist, say you wrote like, you know, fucking Garth Brooks yep. hit or something. Um, and which most people in Nashville, it used to be that way where a lot of the, the country singers, they didn't write anything. Right. The songwriters would write the song and the you know, the guy would perform or girl would perform it and uh, turn it into a big hit. And, you know, they're, you know, making tons of money and yeah. touring and doing their thing while the songwriter was, was making a good money and making a good living and, you know, buying a nice house and stuff and getting the mailbox money. Um, these days though, um, record sales physical meant a lot more. Okay. Because, you know, 10, 11 bucks times a million. I mean, you know, it's a lot of money. Now, with when it comes to the streaming world, it's like 0.004. That makes more sense. Per stream. Per stream. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's a huge differential there yeah. as far as that's concerned. And I mean, there was, a, there was a notion, they even made a comment. They said, you know, obviously it's changed now, but they said when streaming first started, certain platforms paid, period, and some some weren't paying at all. Like some, they were like, some weren't even they would they they know it was being streamed and downloaded. They weren't even getting any type of funds on that. Yeah. Now they said that's changed now. But when it first started like that, they go, you can imagine having a song that you wrote being played, and you're not getting any type of royalty on that because there's there's no tracking, there's no no one advocating for that. Well, because the streaming platforms, um, it's mechanical. Okay, it's mechanical royalties, which typically go to the artist uh, okay. performing it. So the songwriters are, are making back end on like syncing like TV or radio or or, phys sense. or physical sales and things like that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot more sense because I was, I was wondering where they were going with that. I'm like, well, God, you wrote the damn song. You should be getting paid for it. But they said, I mean, they said streaming changed the game of how people did things. And, you know, to your point, they also mentioned that's why a lot more artists are writing their own songs too. You yeah. Know, they mentioned that as well, that that was yeah. something that, that was a little art that had changed because of that. So, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, teaching your kids and you talked about growth, you know, you're, you're five plus years now of being sober of sobriety. Congratulations. This October. Yeah, this thanks. October. Congratulations. Yeah, five years. yeah. That's awesome, man. And I remember, uh, you know, the very first time I met you, that was one of the things that you led with, you know, you're very proud of that. Yeah. And, uh, man, kudos hats off to you. Talk yeah. about how that changed your life. How'd that come about? What was that defining moment that, that made that, you know, be the marker where you said, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. You know, I just, it got to a point where, everything on the road or everything with, with drinking, it just was all the same. Mm -hmm. And it just was like a blur. I'd go to Jaguar games and get fucking blackout or whatever, you know <laughs> yeah. I mean? 
yeah, I had some fucking fun times doing that shit. You know, I'm not going to say I didn't or going to Mexico and drinking Corona, you know, and margarita. Five years ago during the Jaguars, yeah. that might've been warranted, by the way. You might've needed that to get through the season. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, 2017 was a good year. Yeah. But I, um, you know, for me, I think that I just, I had, when you start drinking to get fucked up, mm-hmm. there's a problem. You know, Fair enough. I feel. You go from casually to just yeah, one. Yeah, I couldn't just have one or two. I was like, it, it had control of me at that point. Oh. And when you're on tour and your hospitality writer is a handle of crown every night, handle of Tito's every night, a few cases of beer every night, and you're playing five nights a week, and there's eight to 10 people on your bus. I mean, you guys can mow it down for sure, but it, it just became a, a situation that I had to, I had to remove myself from, from that person. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of things were happening in my life at the time with, you know, new relationship and, um, you know, about to be, get, get married and, uh, you know, I, I just didn't want, um, I, I didn't want that kind of, uh, I don't even know how to really describe it. It's, it's tough because everybody's sure. different. Yeah. Everybody's different and, and everybody has their own, their own battles and their own things that they're trying to, and, and what, you know, how I quit, I just quit. I just woke up and that was it done. I've never, heard that from a couple never of people. Again. Seriously and, and about themselves. I, I tried to think about the last day that I had when I was quitting, I, I, I was trying to figure out when the last time there was a day I didn't have a drink and I couldn't damn the only thing I could think of was was remember being sick and having a really bad sore throat for like a couple days and and that was it but that had been like a couple years prior to that or something so there had been I had had a drink every single day for a few years or whatever Do you feel like the clarity in you know songwriting, the clarity in your music, the clarity in your performances got better afterwards? Well, not at first. I, I didn't. <laughs> well, at least I didn't know okay. because you know I, I knew how I felt when I was drinking before I would go on stage, but then trying to go and do it now sober, I was like, this feels different. Yeah, a little subconscious. Yeah, it feels different, but. It's fucking life. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it and and get through it and figure it out because I felt like for me, um I knew that was going to be the better version of myself and and what what I had to offer, you know, and, and for my kids uh as well, you know, my family and I just didn't you know, I had to I had to cut it, man. It yeah. wasn't for me anymore. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that, you know. I'm against it or I'm not, I'm not one sure. of those, dude. I just, you know, you, you don't want me doing it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I can tell you two things. Number one, I've been at functions where, you know, there are people having drinks. You've been there. You wouldn't know any difference, right? You're, you're yeah. blended in with the crowd, having a good time. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I'll, I'll speak to another performance I saw you play at. And I don't think it's, you know, I never saw you pre, but I can tell you that <laughs> what I do know is you opened for a very popular band and I remember you coming back and that lead singer telling you, 
I hate going on after you because I mean, the amount of energy and everything that you guys brought to that stage versus what that other band didn't bring. So, I mean, you guys, you know, I get back to you guys bringing it and doing it. Like you're, you're a hard act to follow. That's what I was trying to get at there. You guys do a really good job on stage and, you know, you definitely haven't lost that edge. It looks like when you get on stage uh, with your sobriety, you know, not at all. And it was, yeah, it was a really, really, uh, it was really, really cool thing to hear. I had to like, I had to find a way to get back into the zone you know, yeah. at first when I was going on stage sober, it just took me a minute to like, okay, I know how to ride a bike, but it's been a minute. <laughs> Let me, you know, yeah. so, but now it's great. I feel, I feel better than ever That's on awesome, stage. Man. And, you know, it's, it's the only thing that, that I would say that, that sucked when I quit drinking was all the damn sweets man that, that I, I picked up on like the sugars yeah the cookies and the and the shit like that it's like fuck that seems but, to be a that seems to be a, a very popular thing people say when they're you know but i'll take it any day yeah, man. take it any and, day out of that yeah. so what advice you have for people that are in the music business right now maybe they're new maybe they're 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 transitioning into that next level you know what advice would you have for someone like that like what to watch out for or what to look forward to man it's tough i think you gotta surround yourself with people who are driven like you are and, and want want the same stuff and want to be on the same page and no egos, keep the egos out of the room. and That's a good one. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's tough out there. Yeah. Because everybody wants to be a band. Everybody wants to be in the music business or be an artist and become an artist. And there's a lot of people that shouldn't. Yeah. Well, you know, you said earlier, like, you know, if you can keep... If you can keep your masters to yourself, you can do your thing online, go about doing it. You want to elaborate on that just a little bit further? Like, what do you mean by that as far as like, if you were giving advice to someone, yeah. they have like a YouTube channel and they're yeah, out there yeah, doing yeah, pretty yeah. damn good. Promote yourself, uh, promote yourself and just try to do something different and and try and, and keep it fresh for people um, to latch onto because yeah. the internet is so fast and people are onto the next thing. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of the internet, let's talk about this. Your daughter, Veda. Bro, yeah. she is absolutely lighting it on fire right now. She's 12 years old, just turned 12. Just turned 12. And I mean, some of the stuff you guys are doing out there, I mean, it's not only unbelievable. Like, dude, I am I watched at least five of these. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's the little girl down the street, honey? She's like, yeah, I mean, the pipes, dude. The pipes on your daughter? It's like bedroom karaoke, dude. Holy it's okay, awesome. It is, <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> it is like that. But yeah. I mean, you guys are killing it out there as far as views and likes and comments, man. Congratulations. Thanks, and, I man. mean, hats off to her, dude. She, how much time and energy is she putting into that on a daily basis? Because that just isn't wake up and let's go do that. I mean, but, you know, we aren't really spending a whole lot of time okay. doing this stuff. Because, you know, she's, I want her to still be, she's a kid. You yeah. know, she's kind of growing and still... Finding, finding herself and, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, let's do this, you know. Um, I'm just trying to keep it fun for her. And some of those, man, she'll knock out four or five of them at a time. And then, and it was like, okay. And then that's it. And their first, first cut takes like done. Well, we, we do, uh, some of these songs she, uh, she'd never heard before. Okay. And, and even for myself, I mean, there's a lot of these songs that we're doing that I never thought I would sing in my entire life, you know, but it's, it's, uh, it's been fun. It's been great. But for her, there are certain songs that she hadn't heard. Mm -hmm. So then she's got to learn it. And yeah, but she's, she learns pretty quickly, I think. And, um, I think that's, what's been great about this whole process is 
teaching her at the same time. I'm teaching her like how to sing harmonies, um, how to take the, you, it's your lead part right here. And then I'll sing this part and then we'll, we'll come together. And uh, it's just been fun overall to, to do that. That's cool. Passing yeah. on that knowledge, you know, yeah. sharing some of your, and I'm, still, your and I'm still fucking learning, man. Like yeah. I feel like there's things that I'm like, shit, I, I forgot about that. Or, <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of, um, it's interesting, but we've had like, we've had people like reach out. Like we've done certain covers like Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. Yeah, that was cool. He, he, uh, I forgot about that. He had one. reached out to me and, and said, Hey man, I think uh, what you guys did with numb is awesome. And I think it's awesome what you and your daughter are doing. And that's like the cherry on top for me with this whole thing. Cause yeah. working with her, there's nothing better than that. That that's worth all of it. You know what I mean? All the people that are taking notice and, and you know, have become fans and, you know, they hit us up and they're giving us song suggestions. I'm looking at all that shit. Oh, that's I am, cool. you know, because I'm like, it gives me ideas on what songs we could do as well. And, um, but then when guys like that take notice, Jared Leto, that was a cool, I one mean, too. he, he reposted our, he remixed it. That was he, cool. Yeah, he reposted our, uh, our, our TikTok, you know, um, on father's day said, happy father's day. I mean, that's fucking awesome. Dude. That was cool. That was his song you did too, by the yeah, way, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Thirty so, second of Mars. That yeah. was, his, that was really cool. You know, and, and just to bring our audience up to speed. So what you guys are doing is you have a studio in your house and you know, you call it bedroom karaoke. Yeah. yeah. It's a very small studio. I got my desk. I got yeah. my, my iMac and I got my couple of compressors and. That's it. There's yeah. nothing, nothing. But you guys fancy. take these. You take these these iconic songs, multiple genres. By the way, yeah. That's one thing I love. It's not just. It's not just all in one lane. You go right. multiple lanes with it. You bring it into her style, and you help with it. And you guys recreate it, and you do it. And I mean, it really shows off her range mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Shows off the creativity of the two of you guys. But what's cool is to your point, watching the two of you jam out. Like it's it, yeah. Yes, I know your father and daughter, but you look like two artists, right? You know, just out there doing your thing as if you were just, you know, making your own funny TikTok just to put out there to kill time. It's so natural and it's so fluid. I think that's what the audience enjoys too. I mean, to to the tune of you know millions of people commenting and liking on this stuff. It's pretty damn incredible when you take a look at it. Yeah, and it's hard to like keep up. I try to answer some comments and stuff, and you know, most it's most is so positive and overwhelming and, and, and great to see. And, you know, I was watching some, um, where people can like do duets or whatever. And, and some of the videos, I mean, dude, it was mind blowing, dude. Somebody like using the, the cover you're doing the song Mm -hmm. and, and they're in Ukraine, man. And you're seeing like the, the shit going on there. Like that's real life shit. Yeah. And I'm like, the fact that it's actually reaching someone there filming with their phone what is going on in Ukraine. Dang. But they saw they saw that and they're using that that song, that Lincoln Park cover or whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's just like fuck. Yeah. Reaching it's, people beyond matter. You, you, you know, you never yeah. do matter. And, you know, I think every country imaginable, um, you know, people reach out uh to us and uh it's been awesome. And I try to like all the messages I try to respond to and try to just let them know it's thanks, you know, for because this is just something that I had no idea it would do this. and um, But just singing in a room with my daughter. That's and, awesome. And it's kind of... Well, it's kind of like a, you're watching you from afar, me personally, you know, because I'm always talking about like, you know, what kind of legacy can I build or leave for my kids? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what can I do? And so Charlie and I, we talk about this podcast. This is essentially like a time capsule. For, yeah. you know, for both our kids, you know, yeah. that you're leaving with 
cool interviews like this and we're talking about things that, man, they're not going to listen to this right now. I mean, they might, I doubt it, right? But there's going to be a time in life, if I was to make a journal and write stuff down, dude, they would never read it. Like, I mean, probably couldn't read my handwriting to begin with, but never read it. But dude, this will live on forever. And what you're doing online with your daughter, that'll live on forever, man. And you're building like this legacy, but you're documenting this journey with her online. It's pretty darn cool to see. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, kudos to you guys, man. I, I definitely think it's awesome. A little, little envious of myself here, the relationship that, that you're, you're building and doing stuff. It's really cool, man. Congrats Especially through that. something that we both love, you know, yeah. that, that's kind of, it's, it's hard to do that. Yeah. I, I, as a parent, like, how do you get on the level with your, with your kid? Cause you know how it is. I mean, yeah. it's like usually like dad, no, you know, but for for us to be able to do it, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful, yeah, you know, awesome, for man. for my my daughter and my son and and you know my my baby. Yeah, you know, no so man, that's gonna... super. That's awesome. Man. You mean you see how passionate you are? You're lighting up right now in the interview yeah. when we're talking about this. And you know, you are a very humble person and you're a super genuine person. In the time I've got a chance to know you and you know, seeing a lot of the things you're doing here, but also you give back in a big way too, man. A lot of the stuff you do for the troops, the shows that you and your band put on for the troops. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the give back there, even during COVID, you guys posted up, you know, real quickly and did some show or did some, you know, streaming stuff to help raise money. And I mean, you know, uh, you know, hats off to you guys for that. That's a really cool thing you guys do. And, you know, not everybody does that. Yeah. And the military's always supported, um, you know, saliva as well. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of, I mean, some of the craziest stories I've heard were, but like the greatest stories are like, um, you know, I always, we always every night, I always thank the military, U.S. military, and, you know, because, um, you know, there'd be guys that would say, you know, click, click, boom, was their their song, that was their combat song. You go do missions, and that was what pumped Damn. them up and shit, dude. And Iraq and Afghanistan, all this stuff. You hear that stuff. It's like, this is fucking real life. That's real life, yeah. You know, that's real life shit. Because the things that they were seeing over there, I'll never, I'll never see that. I'll never be able to match that. That's, but the fact that, I'm part of a band that created a song that affected them in that way that that's what fueled them mm -hmm. to go out and do protect the, you know, our fucking country. Yeah, provide it's, that blanket of protection yeah, we, we go to sleep with every night. It's you know? like, it's incredible, man. Yeah, man. That's music, awesome. Music is like somehow, you know, I, when I'm on stage, you know, I look at the audience. I'm looking at these people. I'm like... I know these fucking people. <laughs> they are not going to agree on the same politics. They're not going to agree on the same fucking what food they like or what drink they like. Or th there's a lot of shit they're going to disagree with, you know. Mm -hmm. But they're all here and they're all happy. And music has brought them here. That's fucking. It's it's crazy. I'm getting chills thinking about it. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I guess I've never really thought of it like that from that yeah. perspective. But when you say it, yeah. I'm like, yeah, dang, makes sense. Yeah. They're probably shit talking <laughs> on the internet to each other and yeah. they don't realize it's, it's, they're in the same fucking room. Like, you know. Enjoying this moment all coming together. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, I was thinking about this before you came on the show here, like during COVID, like, you know, we all, we all lived on me Island for a little bit, you know, thinking about ourselves and just kind of like being quarantined for a little bit, depending on what part of the country you were in. Sometimes you were, you were quarantined a lot more than other parts of the country, but like artists, you know, musicians, people that are used to touring, like that definitely shut everything down. And I mean, the, the toll it had on, on artists and people such as yourself, like, you know, talk a minute, a little bit about that. Like uh, what, what was that like during that time? 
it was tough because we had our whole 2020 was we had like three tours lined up. We had like 80 shows or 90 shows lined up or something like that. Wow. And um it, it all just boom gone. And a lot of other bands, I, I don't want to, you know, poor me, but I'm right. just saying that so many other people and, and, and businesses, I, I'd say, you know, had it worse and, and had a lot of, um, it was a, just like a hard time just overall. Yeah. Um, but for us as a business, as a band who, who uses touring to, to live and, um, that, yeah, that was definitely, you know, opened your eyes, opened our eyes a little bit. But we had to figure out a way to be creative and, and use that, um, turn it into some sort of creative um, lane. And, and so making a record, working on a record, like the record that we're dropping in September, we started working on it mm -hmm. in, like, in March 2020. Oh, wow. So, well, that, I mean... That makes sense. You know, got downtime. You want to be productive, positive with it. You know, during COVID, you know, and thanks for sharing that because I, I got a chance to witness some of that. I actually got a chance to to know you and Amber better during COVID. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I noticed about you is, dude, you're an avid horror fan. Yes. Like, I mean, dude, like no yes. one I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was joking earlier, like you give me a run for my money. I used to, I used to own the block on Halloween and right. now I'm like, I'm a distant second right now, but you know, you're, you're an average horror fan to the point. I, I, I don't know if you were, I thought you were shooting a music video in the back of your yard one night. And I don't know if you recall this, but you were watching Halloween on this huge screen. Oh yeah. Yeah. You and the, just you and the kids, you yeah. know, and then you had to divide, end up inviting everybody over yeah. and you had this huge Halloween set going on back there yeah. and it was super cool. And everybody came out there and watched it. But that's when I kind of really got a sense for, man, this guy really loves Halloween. Like he is a, he is a horror fan. And what blew my mind is I remember asking you, I was like, what's your favorite horror movie? You remember what you told me? What did I say? Scream. Oh, I was about to say, because yeah, yeah, I think like, that is. Yeah, yeah. you were like, Scream. And I'm like, Scream? Like out of all these movies and we're watching Halloween. I just, it was funny because, you know, to me, that was like a, a newcomer horror movie there in, the, in like the late 90s or something like that. But man, you went on about it, man. Something you were like, dude, something about, I just, Scream I was brilliant because it was, <laughs> it was more real life. Yeah. Like, but, you know, Wes Craven had done like Nightmare on Elm Street and shit mm -hmm. like that. Like, and in the 80s, when I was a kid, I grew up on all that. And then, you know, Jason and all that. I loved yeah. all that shit. But, but Scream is probably one of the best, just fucking hands down, well-written, yeah. most likely to happen. Movie. Most likely to happen. <laughs> most likely. You know, it just felt more real. Sure. Like sure. that could happen at, at fucking any school. So, yeah. you know, two dudes get together and they decide they're going to start killing their friends and shit, you yeah. know? It was a weird plot. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it's, I mean, obviously it was a huge hit. Everybody watched yeah. it. It was a good movie there, yeah. but I was, I like that I, franchise. It's a good yeah. one. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. And I think that I was telling Aaron that night when we walked away, I was like, I have a whole new respect for, I guess, horror movies and what people think. Cause I always think it was like just thrillers, you know, yeah. but you, you broke it down pretty much like you just did right there. Yeah. And I was like, man, I was like, no wonder he's so good at Halloween over there. I was like, uh, he, uh, yeah. he's, he's definitely into it, man. So and I was, I was laughing because that night, um, when you had Halloween playing in the background, 
do you, we got a neighbor, his name's Michael, right? We all oh, know he's yep. yeah, Mike, he's going to get a kick out of this hitsman, but his, his alter ego is Michael Myers. Yep. And I mean, he walks it to a T and does a great job. And I remember you had this play and he caught wind of it. He comes around the backside. He scared the living shit out of me. Scared the living shit out of you. Posed behind yeah. the thing. He scared the living shit out yeah. of you over there. Wait, no, that was like, that was like his biggest thriller moment. He loved it, man. Dude, literally made my insides jump. <laughs> <laughs> had no idea he was doing that. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was, and it was creepy. It was yeah. creepy because it was so real. Yeah, so it's kind of cool, man. Well, man, I'm so excited about what you're doing with your daughter, man, Veda. It's congratulations, hats off on Thank that. You, I can't man. wait to see what you guys go from there. You want to talk a little about the album that's coming out in September? Yeah, so it's called Revelation. Um, had how we came. Wayne, actually, my guitar player um, from Saliva, he passed away in March, mm. and uh, we had already weird. had everything like done record was done cover was done um and we were kind of tossing around names and it's something that he came up with so he he named it um that and revelation and uh it just that's it that's you know and then he unfortunately he passed away in march and it was i kind of hit this this like blur there for a minute i didn't know what i wanted to do and I wasn't really sure what to do. Um, he was like my best friend for, you know, for the 12 years I've been in the band and uh, almost almost like a mentor as well, mm-hmm. you know, and just a great, great overall guy, man. So uh, I don't know if you met him. Did met, you? Him met him about four times. Yeah, one with the, nicest, the hat. And the, one of the nicest, and the, you know. one of the bigger dudes in the room, but right, the nicest right. guy in the room. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, never had an enemy, never talked bad about anybody, man. And, and so, but... Um, we, when this, when that happened, the record was supposed to come out in July mm-hmm. and, um, but when he passed away, it kind of like, we paused everything and we're trying to figure out what needs to happen and talking with, you know, his family and sister and stuff too. It's like the right thing to do is to put this record out. We spent three years making it, yeah, you know, and he's all over it. And, you know, we did. We did like 38 songs or something, but we picked 12 okay. to go on the record. So there's so much material done that's out there with him on, yeah. on this material. And so like, we have to do this and honor him and, uh, you know, just only the, you know, the best thing to do. Yeah. And, um, revelation is what it's called. So what we did is we're like, let's push the release date back because we want to change the artwork. So we changed our artwork and had a picture on the back uh, on the back with him and oh. that whole thing and cool just kind tribute. of a memorial tribute yeah. deal. So we did that and then we September eighth it drops. Oh man. So, so we'll be looking for that, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing yeah. that. Bobby, thanks for being on the show, my friend. I appreciate you. Dude, great having yeah, you. Great man. story, great talks, man. Love chatting it up with you, man. Thanks again yeah. for being on the show. Absolutely. Guys, if you like what you're hearing, please share this five-star review this podcast. If you would, take it up on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Check us out on YouTube. There'll be some extra clips on there from this show. Subscribe to our channel and check us out on our socials at What's Your One More with Number One at What's Your One More with Number One. Bobby, thanks again for being on the show, yeah, my friend. Man. All right, brother. I got one more shot. I'm going to make it. One more chance, I'm gonna take it I meant it when I said it, now it's time for me to do it I got one life to live, so I put all into it, yeah